Welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. I am your host, Associate Pastor Jonathan Johnston, and joining me again today is Student Pastor David Carpenter. How's everybody doing? And we are in week two of our Christmas or Advent series called Among Us, looking at John chapter one, uh, the first 18 verses, and we're really focusing in on what's the big deal that Jesus came to be among us. What's 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 the point of it? What do we get out of it? Um, why did it have to happen? We're looking at all those questions. Uh, and last week, if you listened to episode one, and if not, you can you can stop the episode now and go back and listen. But we talked about his light among us, uh, using verses one through five. And this week, we are going to focus on four verses, uh, verses six through nine of chapter one. This is John chapter one, verse number six. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And the first thing I want us to do is we're going to talk just a little bit about John. Uh, one, we're reading this from a book called John. Different guy. I want to make sure we're clear on that because I've, I've had people before who get confused with that. The John who wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, that's not John the Baptist. Different guy. John the Baptist didn't make it that long to write a book. He didn't have time to yeah. write a book. He had a very specific purpose. Uh, he's a very interesting individual in history, mm. really. Um, if, if you... You know, want to read more about his birth? You go uh, in in the Gospels. We can go uh, all the way to Luke, uh, and, and the Gospel of Luke starts out actually with the story of John's birth yeah. before we get to Jesus's birth. Yeah. Uh, and John, um, earthly relationship wise, would have been a cousin mm-hmm. of Jesus. Uh, he's he's born to uh, Elizabeth who is uh, one of Mary's cousins and um, just a very interesting scenario there. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth and Zechariah, her husband, had wanted a baby, had never been able to have a baby. And in their society, man, if, if you couldn't produce a child, it was viewed as, well, God's not pleased with you. Yeah. And the challenge for them as a couple is Zechariah was a priest in the temple. And that that doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. How is how is he serving as a priest and God's not pleased with him? Yeah, and they they couldn't have children. And uh, it was really interesting in verse eight of Luke one. It tells that when it was when it was uh, Zechariah's turn for his his group of priests, uh, it was his turn to go into the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. You have to go back to the Old Testament to see these instructions, but that's a big deal. Before you were allowed as a priest to go into the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense, you had to examine your life. You weren't supposed to go in if you had unresolved sin, if you had uh, things you had not been cleansed of. Um, To do so, uh, to to do that uh, or perform that task in an unholy manner, could result in your death, not mm-hmm. at the hands of man, but the angel would come and and 
kill you. Yeah. Uh, and and so we see when Zechariah goes in again. Keep in mind the the whole community talks and says, I don't I don't know why Zechariah and Elizabeth can't have children. One of mm-hmm. them must have done something to to upset God. Mm-hmm. And if it's Zechariah, well, well, we're about to find out because he's going into the sanctuary of the Lord and he might die. Uh, but he goes in and. While he's in there, an angel appears to him, standing at the right of the altar of incense, which, if you look in Old Testament, that's exactly where the angel would have stood if if he had done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And and so the next verse is kind of a, a, a well, duh, verse. It says, Zechariah saw him. He was startled and overcome with fear. He thought, maybe what everybody's saying is true. I haven't had a child because God's not pleased with me. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the angel was there for. The angel was there to deliver a message to say, hey, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to have a a, a child. And that child is going to be the one that was prophesied about that's going to be the voice crying in the wilderness. That's going to prepare the way for the Lord, for the Messiah. Uh, And and there's a whole other series of events that happens. Zechariah doesn't believe initially. And so because of that, he's made mute until the child is born. Uh, Elizabeth doesn't understand what's going on either at first. And then um, it, you, you fast forward a little bit. She's, she's now expecting, and Mary comes to visit Elizabeth. Mary has received the news that she is going to be the mother of Jesus. She is already carrying Jesus at this point in her womb. And when she approaches Elizabeth... John, inside his mom's womb, leaps for joy. Yeah. So he's he's already being Jesus' hype man yeah. before before he's ever born. Yeah. Uh, he he was ready to get to it. So John's a very interesting character, I think, for us to look at in in history. Um, to we always talk about finding our purpose in life and finding our calling in life. And John had his before he was ever born yeah. and was even acting in that yeah. before he yeah. was born. Um, and so so this is who we're talking about. When we're talking about this John that's referenced in John chapter 1 uh, that, that the man called John. Um, and then you can find other places in Scripture. He was just an interesting dude. He, uh, he didn't live in the towns mm-hmm. among, among the townsfolk. Uh-huh. He he lived out in the wilderness. Yep. He uh, decided, you know, hey, for clothes, camel hair is is my thing. So he he wore camel hair. He he ate locusts and honey. Mm. Uh, he was just a different different guy. Yeah. I would dare say if if John the Baptist were around in today's time, mm-hmm. he would probably be somebody that not only would we not listen to. Mm-hmm we would probably view him as somebody who had mental health issues mm-hmm. or might be dangerous mm. or would be the, the guy that we would look at our kids and say, hey, hey you're not allowed to go near yeah, him. definitely. And that's who this guy was. Yeah. The one to prepare the way for Christ. Yeah. Um, and so we see in verse 6 of John 1, there was a man named John who was sent from God. So he, he had a clear purpose. And what was that purpose? In verse 7, he came as a witness 
to testify about the light. We talked about the light last week. So that all might believe through him, or some uh, translations, the, the original Greek there would say, so that all might believe through it, through the light. So John's job, John's purpose, was to make sure that everybody knew, hey, the light is coming. Mm-hmm. It's going to be here. And that's an interesting thing because there were a lot of people in that day that because he was so different, they wanted to make John yeah. the light. Oh, yeah. well, this is clearly the Messiah because he's, he's different. He's, he's talking this stuff. But John's job was to say, the light's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so this week we want to focus on that, that message among us. Yeah. Uh, and how important it is that that, that came yeah. among us. And, you know, Jonathan, uh, once again, uh, I've said this countless times on this podcast, probably every time that I've been on this podcast this year, this has come up, that our, our church really, I think, has been led by God to understand the story of the Bible is one story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is Jesus from creation to revelation, from redemption and, and through the Old Testament, all of it is about Jesus. And uh, the the John the Baptist almost kind of bookends um, a, a group of individuals from the Old Testament, these Old Testament prophets. Of course, we know that, you know, through them, God spoke prophetically about Jesus. I mean, it's just... I hope that that sometime through the Christmas season you'll explore um, just the incredible ways that God confirmed prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about His Son. How how right. Jesus fulfilled God's word from from hundreds of years before Him uh, seamlessly and beautifully. That's wonderful. John almost like bookends these guys in saying that, hey, you've heard that there was redemption coming. We've been making these sacrifices for thousands of years, looking forward uh, to to Christ coming, to to a lamb to be sacrificed. We've, we've done these things. We've kept these rituals, which were all, of course, we know, pointing towards Jesus. And 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 John's almost like uh, the guy who, who gets to tell you, hey, it's here. Yeah. Um, Billy Graham traveled, of course, around America for many, many years. And there was a gentleman whose name slips my mind at this moment, but he would go a stop ahead of a Billy Graham campaign and go knock on doors in the community and get all the churches organized together because, you know, this crusade was coming, coming yeah. that, that he would kind of prepare the way. Of course, Billy Graham was as close to Jesus as most people <laughs> ever get, but was not Jesus. And even right. more so, John the Baptist was was quite literally like the guy going before me like, hey, y'all get ready. I know that that God has been silent for these 400 years. Yeah. That, of course, God was still working. God was still moving. God right. was still active. But God had not directly spoken to his people in 400 years. And John shows up. He's like, hey, something big is about mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, it's funny. Uh, if, if you follow, like, the NBA, uh, Sham Sharania and... and uh, Woj is his name, is, is what he goes by, but these guys that are like um, insiders in the NBA. So if somebody's hurt or if there's a trade about to happen, these guys know about it first. A lot of times like on Twitter, they may not even can say so-and-so's getting traded for so-and-so, but they'll be like, there are some things happening Developing, between yeah, this team yeah. and this team, maybe centered around this player, right? Like uh, this news hasn't broken yet, but w- we feel like it's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um this is something that that is kind of, uh, of course, on a much smaller scale. Uh, but but 
this is, is, is much like what John was doing, that, that God placed inside John a purpose and a message from his, his inception mm-hmm. to, uh, to let people know that something big was about to happen. Of course, that message is what you know, is now dwelling in each one of us through the power of God's spirit. And it's something we celebrate this season. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think for whatever reason, John often gets overlooked in the Christmas narrative mm-hmm. because we're, we're so quick to want to jump to the birth of Jesus, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's meaningful. It's important. But, but we miss like the news of John's arrival and how all yeah. that played out. And that was, it wasn't as miraculous as the birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. but man, this was an older couple. Mm-hmm. They were past the, the years of, of childbearing. Mm-hmm. It, this was still a miracle. And mm-hmm. to see who he uh, was, was made to be and called to be. Uh, and then, and then just who he develops into as far as just a character who would be very interesting. And, the Pharisees, even other people, were curious. So when he he set up camp to baptize on the on the other side of the Jordan, uh, and he he did so, uh, I think because he he wanted to be clear. Hey, I'm I'm not I'm not on that side of the Jordan. I'm not mm-hmm. a threat there. I'm I'm on this side. Um, but people would go to hear him because he was so different. Um, and what they would hear from him is, hey. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, get ready. And uh, it, it, later in John chapter one, uh, after these first eighteen verses that we're focusing on for this series, when you pick up in verse nineteen, it says, "This is John's testimony." So here, his purpose in verse seven was he came as a witness to testify. Verse nineteen, this is his testimony. Uh, It says, when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? Man, what an opportunity for him to have built up his own kingdom. Yeah. He could have easily said, I'm John the Baptist. Like, look at me. I baptize people. This is, he could have built a big following. But verse 20 says, he did not refuse to answer, but he declared, I am not the Messiah. Yeah. Well, they didn't even ask that. They just asked, "Who are you?" But he knew the talk. He knew what they were saying. Yeah. <laughs> he clear. He jumps right in there and says, "Hey, I'm I'm not him." Yeah. Uh, if you thought I was, I'm not him. What then? They asked him, "Are you Elijah?" I'm not. He said, "Are you the prophet?" He is a prophet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they said, "Are you the prophet?" Yeah. And Big he knew, he knew what that meant, and he said, "No." He answered, "Who are you then?" They asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? So he, he goes back to Isaiah. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And you can continue on there in the way he even discipled people, the people who followed him that were his disciples. He kept telling them, I'm not the guy. Mm. The guy is coming, but I'm not him. Mm. And then when Jesus comes to him to be baptized, he, he acknowledges this is the guy. Yeah. And then the next day, uh, when, it, when he sees Jesus walking by again, he says to his followers, to John's followers, hey, fellas, behold, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. That's the lamb who has come to take away the sins of the world. And he had done such a good job discipling them. 
and letting them know I'm not the guy to follow, that guy is, that when they all saw him and John said, that's him, they, they left. Yeah. They're like, all right, John, see ya. Like, if we're going to follow him now. And it's just, there's a great challenge even to us uh, in today's world. Are we proclaiming the message of Christ? Yeah. In such a way among people that we're not drawing people to us. We're drawing people to Christ. Yeah. And we're saying, hey, if you're looking at us, we're flawed. We're going to make mistakes. We're at times going to be hypocritical. We are going to be these things. But you can't focus on us because we are not who's going to save you. Yeah. We are not the one who died for you. Mm. Uh, and, and that's all John was doing. Um, and so he came to testify about the light, the light that we talked about last week, who is Christ, so that all might believe through him. Man, very focused mission. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of times we 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 wonder about our mission. It's like this is so clear cut. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that it's important to understand and recognize John's even John's humanity. Uh, as focused as he was, there were even moments when when John doubted. In Matthew mm-hmm. chapter eleven, uh, there's a story that Jesus had finished teaching his disciples, and he was teaching and preaching people and. John was in prison and John heard about the, the deeds of, of the Christ. This is John, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Uh, he sent by word of, uh, by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who has come or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk and lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And they went away. These speaking of these disciples of John, uh, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Or what uh, What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go and see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Jesus quotes the same scripture that John has already quoted. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare you the way of the Lord. And um, this is important for us to realize that I think John is a great example to us of somebody whose life was pointed at Jesus. Um, I tell our, 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 our students that the arrow of our faith should be shot towards the target of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if we have our eyes set on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of God, we're running, pointed with our compass, due north is at the throne of Jesus. John mm-hmm. did a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Great example to mm-hmm. us. As a, a follower of Jesus, this should be an encouragement to us that John did not use his miraculous birth to build a kingdom <laughs> right. of his own. Uh, that John did not use his obvious gifts of, of leadership, of, of communication. Um, John did not use his, his potential for a platform to draw people to himself, but continually follow, appointed others to follow Jesus. But even in that, we still see his humanity and that he doubted even in those mm-hmm. times. And I think that, that uh, you know, w- we as a church, um, we are a place where we are not afraid of doubt. We're not afraid of the questioning that comes with any journey of faith. Sometimes there are times in our life we say, "Man, am I, I really am I really doing this right? I mean, is this really what God wanted me to do?" I, you know, Jesus, I get that you're real, but do you really have a plan for me? And I think it's important for us to realize that you know the message is within us, but we are still imperfect messengers. 
that there are times where we make mistakes and that, that Jesus sends back uh, a resounding uh, uh, yes to, uh, uh, to confirm John's mission. And we believe that, you know, as we are people on mission, we as a church have a mission. We believe you, God has made you for a mission. Each one of us has as different parts of our lives that are, are missional things. Um, and, and, and as you pursue that, even in moments where we doubt, even in moments where we stumble, that Jesus is still affirming that within us, that, that the message of Jesus is still uh, something that, that we uh, are called to, to, to send out and that, that Jesus will continue to work and confirm through, through uh, our experiences, the experience of others and his word that that, that message is, is, is worthy and is true and is good. Yeah. And, and so some of you may be listening to this and you may say, well, this is, this is really nice. It's nice that the message came among us and it's nice that John did such a good job, but, but what is the message that we have to share? What is the message that really came among us? And I want to point back to 1 John 1, like we did last week as well, but we're going to start in verse 1. And 1 John 1, John begins his letter this way. He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Hmm. So what message do we have? We have the message that we have seen and experienced yeah. Christ. Yeah. And what we share with people is that. You don't have to have uh, some complicated testimony. Yeah. Your testimony is simply how has Christ impacted you and who do you know him to be? What have you what have you seen? What have you observed? Mm-hmm. What have you touched with your hands? And John in that in that passage is simply saying, Man, we, we've seen this. Yeah. And man, we, we tell you this so that you can have fellowship. Yeah. Just like ours with the Father. Yeah. And we have that fellowship through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and then I love that he closes that section by saying, Hey, and we do this so that our joy mm may be complete, not yours, right? Yeah, this is joyful news. This is good news for you. But we're telling you this so that our joy can be complete. Yeah, That tells me the life of a Christian, man, you're not as joyful as you can be or as full as you can be if you're not sharing the message of Christ. Yeah. I, uh, earlier this year, of course, had the challenge, but the privilege of, of preaching at my father's funeral, um, and, um, spoke that day and, and referenced, uh, another, uh, book from, from John. This is a letter that he wrote to churches that were being persecuted. And, uh, in John chapter 12, uh, he wrote to these churches and, and through a vision, he said, and I, and I, uh, I heard a kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. And of course, 
for this, he was telling the story of Satan who was cast down from heaven because of his rebellion towards God. And, and now that Satan has been loosed in our world, we see, and of course, these first century Christians who were wrapped in straw, dipped in kerosene and lit on fire, hung uh, from from pillars and burned alive as, as uh, like uh, lanterns for mm-hmm. outdoor parties for the Roman Empire. They knew that the devil had been loosed. John wasn't saying anything right, new. Right. Yeah, yeah. John, who had been boiled in oil. Right. John, who was now exiled to the island of Patmos because they tried to kill him in oil and that didn't work. John, who uh, the eleven disciples, including Paul, after Judas, who who hung himself, the 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 ten who were there, and then the one they added, all experienced persecution and experienced um, horrific deaths. These people were not people who were unfamiliar with with trial or with struggle or with hardship. And um, John says to this early church, hey, the way that we overcome, the way that we walk through the difficulty of our world, the way that we uh, face the the present darkness we're facing is through two things. He says the blood of the lamb Mm. and the word of our testimony. And I I think that sometimes we as as Christians feel like, man, I I could never share my faith with somebody. Mm -hmm. That's something that's way too hard. It's something that a preacher has to do. And and my dad was was a pastor and, and was an excellent communicator and, and was so wonderful when I spoke in his funeral about telling stories. He, he was a storyteller. I love telling stories. And I shared with, with the people there uh, some of his stories that he would tell. But my dad, as gifted as a communicator he was, and as, as great as he was at helping people understand God's word, the greatest story he ever told and the most impactful thing he ever shared was not something complicated. It's actually something quite simple. It was in December of, I think, 1970. Uh, he was 16 years old, born in 59. So it's 74, 75, I think is when it was. December 1974, 75. It was the second week in December. It was a Sunday night. There was an evangelist preaching at their church. You know he's an evangelist because he wore a white suit and a black shirt and a white tie and you can't wear a white suit, a black shirt, and a white tie and not be an evangelist. It was a man named Jerry R. Helger, and uh, he had a great song called Drop Kick Me Jesus Through the Goalpost of Life. But Jerry R. Helger <laughs> preached and shared the gospel that night. And my dad, he stood up, and he, he didn't do anything complex. He didn't feel any kind of feeling. He, he didn't understand all of God's word all of a sudden, but he walked from about three quarters of the way back on the left-hand side of the speaker down to the front of his church on Dolphin Island Parkway in McVeigh Drive. He put his hand on the wall and he said, okay, God, let's give it a go. And he understood the gospel. And that night, his faith met uh, God's grace and his life was forever changed. And that's not a super cool, incredible, great story. Right. But his testimony was something, his witness is maybe the word we're using today, was something that was transformative. Something that thousands of other people heard and responded, brought their lives to Jesus. For me, I was a fifth grade boy on September 14th, 2010. It was uh, was 1771 Camp Jackson Road, Cahokia, Illinois, or excuse me, 2007, I was 10 years old. Numbers are not easy for me, I'm from Alabama, give me grace. (laughs) But it was was 2007, I was 10 years old, 1771 Camp Jackson Road, Cahokia, Illinois, 62206, about midnight. My sister asked me earlier that night if I would do anything God asked me to do, and I said no, because God doesn't love people like me. God doesn't want to use people like me. God doesn't want people who get in trouble and people who've got big fat mouths and people who say dumb stuff, and 
And she showed me through God's word that night that God loved me, that while I was still sinning, Christ died for me, that while my heart was already turned against God, God's heart was turned towards me. And that night, I very similarly said yes to God, responded in faith, and, 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 and that night changed my life forever. And I think sometimes we think, well, man, I, I couldn't get up and preach, and that's okay. God puts different gifts in us. There are things that God's called you to do that Jonathan and I could never do. Mm-hmm. But let me encourage you that God has made you a witness and that we can overcome the darkness of this world, the struggles that we face. We can share our faith in a world that is hungry, hungry for something to believe in by pointing to two things, the blood of the lamb, Jesus. This this season we celebrate him. It's fresh on the minds of our coworkers. It is so present in, in the conversation surrounding our family. That Jesus came, he lived, he died, he was buried and he rose again. And here's what he's done for me, the word of our testimony. And John, he was before Christ proclaiming his testimony that the word of God was here. That light had showed up like we talked about last week. And I think that this is an incredible uh, time and something maybe we overlook in the Christmas season. Maybe around Easter, it's it's more fresh Mm -hmm. on our brain, but hey, what, what a great moment to share with people. Hey, Jesus, he came, he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. Here's what he's done for me. The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. How how great our witness can be in this moment where the world stops to recognize his birth. Yeah, because as we talked about last week, the light was revealed among mm. us. It dawned. Yeah. And then John is sent to be the forerunner to deliver the message to, to say, hey, there is good news coming. And even even in the Christmas story, perhaps, that you're familiar with, the narrative, when Jesus is born, what happens? Angels show up to shepherds to say, hey, we got some really good news for you guys. And, and, and they go immediately to see this that had been told to them because it's really good news mm-hmm. that now there's a message among the people yeah. that God is not done with them yeah that there is hope for them that there is a path out of darkness that they uh, can be in fellowship mm-hmm. with God the, the concept for people who had gone through imagine 400 years of history mm. of your people yeah we, we heard that back in the day our ancestors heard from God but nobody has for 400 years yeah you'd start believing Maybe he's done with us. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we no longer have hope to have a relationship with him the way they did in the past. And then all of a sudden, the message shows up on the scene. Yeah. And you hear what he's coming. Yeah. The lights on the way. Yeah. What we can we can have fellowship with God again. Yeah. Yeah, that's extremely good news. Yeah. And, and I think for us who have lived, most of us in in our culture, we have lived from birth to whatever age you are now, with some knowledge or some hearing of the Christmas story or, oh, yeah, Jesus came, that we miss yeah. how, how good that news really is. Yeah, I think, I think um, it's one of the most exciting things is when someone who has not ever grown up in faith comes into faith as an adult. Now, statistics will tell you that it's very rare. About 80% of people who are followers of Jesus um, begin their journey to follow Jesus before the age of 18. That's why it's so important. Parents, you've been given the 
the mission. I know this is not the message, but hey, they gave me a mic and I'm the student pastor, so I'm going to get you right here. Parents, what an opportunity you have to minister, to preach the good news of Jesus to your kids every day. And and what a, an incredible and, and weighty honor that is. And, and we're praying for you, man. I don't have kids and uh, probably a lot of people in the world thankful for that, but you know, truly it's, it's a, a huge responsibility that we have to pass on our faith to the next generation. But especially when an adult comes into knowing Jesus for the first time, the excitement mm. of sharing that, but you know, that's really not something that's all that novel. If you think about, if you've ever had a really, really good experience at a restaurant or, you know, Jonathan, you and I, a couple of weeks ago were on uh, campus here at, at Campbellsville Harrodsburg. And uh, we were, uh, encouraging the students, passing out some snacks and some energy drinks to give them some, maybe a little pick me up through their, their finals week as they got prepared for their kind of last week of school uh, at the end of this semester. And what did we see? Most every student did when we told them, Hey, we've got a free gift for you. And now this free gift is, you know, a Red Bull or a monster, <laughs> a bag of chips, maybe a candy bar. They was total maybe five dollars yeah, uh yeah. was the biggest you know if, if it, somebody took one or two of everything that's about what it would have cost man they got their phones out oh, i'm gonna tell my team about this man i, I need to see if so-and-so wants some mm -hmm. they shared that good news yeah. man i'm not saying that that a free red bull isn't isn't good news uh it, that's good news to me if you ever need a, a place to donate one you can always <laughs> find me but man what greater news if we can get excited about free Red Bull, if we can share on Facebook a post because our favorite clothing company is giving away a t-shirt and we want a chance to get it, mm -hmm. if we can tell our friends or neighbors about a good restaurant, how much better, how much more willing and excited should we be to share the news that 2,000 years ago, God stepped into the story. And like we talked about last week, and the lights turned on. And that message is alive within us. And I, I, maybe maybe we just need to be challenged this week. Maybe, you know, a lot of Christmas sermons, they're feel-good sermons, and, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, hey, maybe, maybe we as believers should be challenged this week to say, hey, if we really believe that the Son of God was born in a manger— Man, we, we ought to tell somebody. Mm -hmm. We ought to carry this message with boldness, as John did. We ought to uh, step into uncomfortable spaces with it. We ought to, to to cling to that joy and to that hope and to that love and the peace that it offers us and, and show people. You know, sometimes our witness is not one that is spoken, but one that is watched. Right. Uh, parents, I talked to you a few minutes ago. Holy cow. The, the, the greatest witness you are giving is, is your life that your kids are watching. That's why we encourage uh, our families to experience worship together. Why? Because mom and dad, your kids watch you when you worship and they watch you sing and they watch you respond in joy. Mom and dad, when you, when you give and, and you tithe and you set aside uh, your money to, to go to the work of God, your kids watch that and they respond to that. That's, that's your witness in their lives. Your coworkers watch what you say about your boss when he's out of the room versus what they say about your boss when he's out of the room. Your, your, the people in traffic watch what you do with your middle finger when you get cut off versus <laughs> what they do with their middle finger when they get cut off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we are, we are a witness continually. Mm -hmm. And how good is the story that we have to share? How good is the thing that we got to tell other people about? Man, it's a lot better than a good restaurant. It's a lot better than a free monster. Yeah. It's a, a lot uh, uh, more impressive than, than, you know, my favorite clothing companies giving away a t-shirt. 
And when we consider that, how many times do we have the opportunity to share this incredible message with those around us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, I, and I love how you pointed out, look, you're, you're a witness to something and you can choose to be intentional about what message you're witnessing uh, and testifying to, or you can go through life and, and your life is going to deliver some type of message uh, and it may not be the message you want to deliver if you're not intentional about it. Uh, and so uh, it, it is, it's great news that the message is among us and we live at a time where, man, we, we can carry around the entirety of God's word in a pocket-sized format or now with, with phones, you, you can have multiple translations on your phone for free. Um, we have his message. Mm. And... We need to be good stewards of it. We need to be making sure that we uh, are, are just as, as John uh, the Baptist was, that we are, we are hype men and women, that we are telling others how good Jesus is, yeah. how good God is, uh, because he, he's worth it. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. Uh, he will not let people down. We will. So if we point people to ourselves, we will disappoint them. That is, that is a proven fact. I don't care what your relationship is with somebody, you will at some point disappoint them. But Jesus will never disappoint them. And we need to be pointing to him the same way John pointed others away from himself to Christ uh, and, and realize the power of the message that is among us uh, and at this time of year, when we focus on the birth of Christ, we need to focus on that message all the more. Uh, and so our challenge to you this week is, again, if you are a follower of Christ, man, be purposeful and intentional witnesses of the grace that you have received and the, the life that you have received and share that with others. Um and if you have not yet received that, we, we pray that you have heard the message today and that you would know from this that Christ did everything. He, he gave his life for you so that you could be in fellowship with the Father. And through him, through what he has done, not anything you have had to do on your own, you can begin a relationship with him and you can follow after him and live a life then that points others to him. Uh, and so that would be our challenge for you this week as you go about in your life, point others to Christ because he is worthy, he is worth it. Uh, and uh, until we speak to you again next week as we continue this series, this has been the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church.